as Mother's Day is coming around, oh, I find I'm missing my mom more and more. And there's always questions and stories I wish I had asked her when she was still here. I do remember that I gave her a book once upon a time with questions for her to write the answers to. And bless her heart, she didn't answer very many. So that was really a disappointment. But fast forward to now and technology. And now we have mylifeinabook.com. It takes all those questions and stories and it puts it in a format that is sent to your person, whoever you designate, on a regular basis so that the prompts come, they're easily answered either written or voice to text, and they're captured by mylifeinabook.com. These family stories, this legacy that you want to leave for your children and your grandchildren. Mylifeinabook.com, create an unforgettable gift for your mom, your dad, your children this Mother's Day. Use our coupon code ONBOYS for 10% off. Go to mylifeinabook.com and use ONBOYS for 10% off. Create that legacy. Carry on those stories. We've all heard it, that it takes a village to parent and raise kids. But you might be wondering how. Stay tuned to find out. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. We are so glad you're here and we so appreciate you supporting our sponsors. We've all heard it. It takes a village. Likely most of us agree with the sentiment and maybe we've managed to create it. But if you're like a lot of people we talk with, there is still a wish, a yearning to have it. And even while we're wishing, we may also be wondering how to actually make it happen in our own lives and communities. Our guest today is the author of Build Your Village, A Guide to Finding Joy and Community in Every Stage of Life. She's giving us the roadmap, not just the theory, of how to build your very own village. Welcome, Florence Ann Romano. Oh, thank you, Janet. And Jen, I'm so happy to be here. It's so wonderful to be able to talk about all of this with people that get it. <laughs> yes, we are excited to hear your wisdom. So you spent 15 years working as a child care provider. Correct. I'm curious, what did that teach you about boys? Oh, well, since we're know, on I, boys, you know, I know I, you know, I have always, it's so funny actually, because I have been a girly girl my whole life. Like when I was born, my mom told me that I was just attached to her hip and my grandmother's hip and the one that that's why my name is so old fashioned and named after my Nana. Her name was Florence. And I, so, you know, growing up, I also am the oldest of four siblings and the, uh, my sibling right underneath me is only 17 months younger than I am. And he, um, 
has uh, special needs. He has autism. So okay. growing up with a brother with special needs was also a very different experience because I didn't grow up with a neurotypical brother and mm-hmm. it changed kind of that relationship. So when sure. I started nannying and I started nannying for little boys and little girls, it opened up my eyes to a different relationship with boys and different, I guess what the juxtaposition between the girls and the boys for me was where the girls wanted a lot of that attention and talking and, and kind of that sisterhood relationship. The boys were very quietly affectionate with me and quietly attached. And I, I felt there was almost like a peacefulness with the, the relationship with me. They didn't need as much from me. They just liked mm-hmm. to be near me. They liked to be a part of the of things. And one of my favorite memories is when uh, there was a, a family that I nannied for, four kids, three girls and a boy. And I put them all to sleep. And one by one, each of them came downstairs and said, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. And like the sound of music right now. (laughs) I have seen this scene. (laughs) That's right. And so they would then come and sit on the couch with me and they'd fall asleep. Well, the little boy was always the sweetest because he was always the one that wanted to be right in my lap and lay his head on my lap. And I, I never forgot that memory. And so there, there was something very different about the connection I had with the boys. And it was always sweet. There was something very sweet about it. I love that. I love that. And it really gets to the fact that villages and connections look different for different people. We don't all need the same exact village. We shouldn't have the same village. Right. That's exactly right, Jen. You know, and I think trying to replicate other people's villages is where we get into a bit of trouble because just like social media or anything else we compare ourselves to, we start to feel inferior or we start to feel you know, depleted from that or that we failed in some sort of magnificent way because we're mm-hmm. not how, it, how we think it should look. And what I have found, you know, especially when I was a nanny working for all the different families that I did is that every family was different. Every family had their own ethos, their own values. And in order for me to work well with a family, though, there had to be an alignment there with mm-hmm. the values. It didn't mean we had to look the same or even think the same. There was diversity in many different ways regarding the families that I worked for, but there had to be some common denominators because you as the nanny are supposed to be an extension of the parents, eyes, ears, and heart, as I would say. So there does have to be commonality there uh, because you are an extension of the parenting in some sort of way. So those values do have to be aligned. And so you became part of their village. Exactly. I did. And I'll tell you again, a little, very short, sweet story. You know, the Holy Grail is for me as a nanny with those kids was always to have influenced their life in some sort of way. I never knew what it was going to be, but that somehow I was going to stick in their soul, Mm -hmm. their heart and their mind, whatever it was. So years later, after I had retired from being a nanny, I had gone to a wedding where one of my nanny kids was also attending the wedding. It was for a mutual family friend in our community. And I hadn't seen her in years, but I had stayed in touch with her. And so it was like a movie scene. I'm at (laughs) one end of the dance floor and she's at the other end of the dance floor and we meet eyes and we run toward each other. And she, at this point, you know, was engaged and she was, she living this whole life on the East coast. And, you know, I was so proud of her. So we embrace and we stay in that hug for quite a while and we pull back and she has tears in her eyes. And I look at her and I said, oh my gosh, my love. I said, what, what are you crying about? And she goes, 
you are still the voice in my head all these years later. And I just lost it. I mean, I still get, I cannot talk about it with the getting choked up. That was everything to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, all these years later that she still even thought of me when, Mm -hmm. you know, and she would, she went on to explain that in her hard moments or her joyful moments, there were things that she remembered about our, our time together. And that, that was everything to me. I could, I, I could, I could have been done. Life could have been done there. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and we're glad you're not done. Cause oh, thank we, you. Got, <laughs> we got lots to talk about. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to stick around a little longer. I, I... So outline for us, the village, give us your picture. We're getting a little bit of it, shared sure. values and sure. that kind of thing, but give us the overall picture of that. So I grew up in an old-fashioned Italian family, multi-generational home. My grandparents, my mom's parents lived with us. And it was truly the greatest gift in the world to grow up in a home like that. It was so loud and so joyful. Mm -hmm. And there was always something going on. And we had cousins in and out of the house. And there was food everywhere, every minute. I mean, it was the best. And so I really grew up in a very beautiful village. I was born into it. And as I got older, I realized though, that what I was born into was not necessarily Mm -hmm. what everybody else was. (laughs) And I felt bad about that, you know? And, and, and as I started to really drill down into what village was, I realized, okay, in life, there are things you can control and things you can't. And perhaps you can't control the family you were born into or the village you were born into. But if you don't like what the environment that you're in or born into, then where can you take control in that way? Where can you start to choose your family, choose your friends, build that that ecosystem for yourself? And I've really given that a a lot of thought over time. And then COVID hit. Yeah started to really think about that, Jen, in terms of, okay, this is the first time in a global way, we all know what it's like to lose our people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not just talking about losing them to the disease perhaps, but, or to the virus, but to lose them in, in terms of, you know, isolating, you know, Mm -hmm. sheltering in place, you've lost those people that access to that support. And I thought, gosh, this is a common denominator on a global level. And then it was time for us to go back to connecting. And I realized that people not only didn't know how to do it, they didn't want to do it. And Mm. it started this kind of epidemic of loneliness, this friendship recession. And so during COVID is when I wrote Build Your Village. And I wanted to really give a roadmap to people about no matter how old you are, whether you're 15 or 80, this book needs to be an anchor for you to come back to every time you are feeling like you're floating out there and alone, or you don't have an anchor. It I want it to be like a workbook that can grow with you, transition with you through life. I so relate to what you're saying. I mean, I have this had this whole network of cousins. We haven't seen each other in three years. And fortunately, we have a wedding coming up. So we'll all but you know, it is that place and you I think it would it just happened so gradually over the over the years of pandemic. And it's like you wake up one day and go, wait a minute, where are all my people? Where are they? I like what you said about we've forgotten how to reach out, how to invite, how to gather again. And I know Jen is, um, she's a sibling of, of many in her family. So she's one of six, Lawrence Ann. 
They talk yeah. about fun and loud yeah. and exciting, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So what's step one? Well, I always say of the six villagers I created, and let me give a little color there too. Mm -hmm. I want to create six villagers in the book that you identify with. You think to yourself, okay, of these six, this is who I am. Maybe you're all six. Maybe you're just a few. But then you look also at who do I need in my village mm. of those six? Uh, because you're looking at yourself and wondering who am I to other people? And then who do I need in mine? Mm -hmm. And I wanted to create six villagers, which are accepting, dependable, cheerleader, communicator, organizer, and healer. I wanted to do that because I wanted people to have something, again, tangible, something they could run their fingers through, something they could put their arms around so they could feel like, all right, I can start to do this work internally. And that's going to help me, again, find that roadmap because it really does start with us. So to your point, how do we start? I think the most important thing you can do is two things. You have to be vulnerable and honest with yourself about this work, because some of this is uncomfortable. We don't want to sometimes look in the mirror and realize what am I missing and also who is missing? Because again, that makes us feel embarrassed or shameful or whatever it is that we've, we've been rejected. You know, there are many different emotions that can go with that. So you need to figure out, first of all, what is it that is leading me to want to do this work on the village? Is it because I'm feeling left out? Is it because I'm feeling lonely? What's missing there in terms of connection? But also it might be the other side. It might be that you're looking at your village and thinking, gosh, I have all these people. I have a ton of people around all the time, but I am still feeling really empty, really mm -hmm. vacant, or I'm not being filled up the way that I thought. And maybe it's because you have the wrong people in your village. How can people. we start having that conversation with our kids a little bit? Because I think mm -hmm. that's an important point. So many of us, we assume that this will happen organically. And there's a certain right. amount of, you know, kids come in contact with each other. Right. And we have all seen kids who surround themselves with, you know, quote unquote, the wrong people, or we right. have seen kids who have a lot of people around them and then reach a point and realize these are not really my people. They're not my people. How right. can we begin to help our kids understand some of these early stages? And obviously I know it's going to look different for a six-year-old than a 16-year-old. Sure. So let's let's look at, I think, the older versus the younger, because when you're younger, it's fun. You're on the playground, you're in school, you know, you kind of have those built in relationships there. But as you get older, you become more complicated. Life becomes more complicated. The outside influences become more complicated. This, I think, is something all parents struggle with is you. How do you control your children's friendships? And mm -hmm. that's not easy to do because a you can't be with them every minute, watching them every minute, what they're doing, what they're digesting, what they're watching, who they're talking to, what they're saying. And B, you also can't make them learn a lesson until they're ready to learn it, I would say. And also, Amen. right? And you want to also <laughs> allow them to learn lessons. Failure, I always say, is the other F word. No one wants to say failure. Regarding the friendships, for me, I go back to my childhood. You know, my cousins and everyone were my first childhood friends. There was more control there with my friendships because they were our relatives. Mm -hmm. But then as I started making my own friendships, my mom was constantly talking to us about 
and not in a, not in a preachy way, constantly asking us about our lives, what was going on, our friends. She made a point to always be the mom that was driving the kids around. So every friend of mine and myself felt comfortable talking to my mom about kind of everything that was going on in our lives. So my mom was a person that her opinion, even as a young child, mattered to me. If she said, you know, it doesn't sound like that girl is being very nice. You know, she would talk it through with me instead of telling me you can't be friends with that person. And then also I had a lot of examples in my life of really healthy friendships. My mom had amazing girlfriends, same with my aunts and uh, cousins who were older and stuff. And I looked up to them in major ways about why they chose the friends they did. Now, I may have been a peculiar child who was observing all of this and curious <laughs> about this when she was younger, but I would say the secret sauce to me was the influence that I found in my family based on who was around me, who what, you know, who they populated in my village. And then also realizing that you have to be able to have that safe place. My mom was doing that before that was ever a thing. She never made us feel judged whenever we wanted to talk to her about something or she was looking at something. So we always felt comfortable coming to her. And that's what made it easy for her to have conversations with me about things that she was observing that she didn't agree with or felt that maybe perhaps I was being treated unwell or perhaps even that she was nervous for me or scared for me. I think it really comes down to that transparency and that trust. And observation rather than trying to explicitly control right. your circle, your village. And again, there are circumstances which you do have to control. Sure. I mean, uh, you have to step in because something is unsafe, whatever it might be. But I, I think the point I want to make with that is from a young age, try to, to cultivate that safe and open relationship with your child where no matter what's going on, they know they can come to mm -hmm. you. And, and that will make a difference. Well, and I see the other side of this too, is I'm guessing that your mom reflected back to you the qualities that you brought to a friendship. And I think that's important for parents to be able to explicitly talk about that with their kids. You know, you're you're a real nurturer or you're an organizer because the, the child is just that, but to have it reflected back to them can be an important aspect of of this village that you're talking about. Getting to know themselves. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's something to that self-exploration that we do. And I say in the book, you know, you may have all the qualities of these six villagers and totally capable of being all six, but maybe during a time in your life, you're not capable of being certain ones because you have other stuff going on in your world. I shared this story in the book as well. Um, but a few years ago, I had decided to go through IVF to freeze my eggs because I'm not married and don't have children and wanted to take the pressure off the biological clock. Mm -hmm. And so going through IVF was a lot. You know, I went through egg retrievals, did all of that. And the hormones made me batty. I mean, I, I was not myself and I was not dependable at all at that mm -hmm. time for my friends because taking care of myself was, was hard enough, but I was able to do other things. I was able to be other villagers. And so my message there for people is to, is give yourself some grace as well as you're, as you're navigating this, because you can't be everything to everyone. And you think of yourself on an airplane when that oxygen mask drops, 
You got to put it on yourself first before you help others. And that's the only way we will be able to live a life in service of others, which is, I believe, the, the, the philosophy of my life. We can only do that if we are also taking care of ourselves and working on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so this is a lot of, again, you know, deep work, but also not a heavy lift. It's accessible. It's doable. I always, you know, we've all read those books where like, I'm not going to do any of this. This is way too hard. No way. You know, and so this, you know, this, this work that we're doing about the village there is so much that probably already exists in your life, that low hanging fruit that you're going to use as this really solid foundation to build it. But you have to be honest again about what you're looking for and who you need and also who you are to other people and what you're capable of. So you start by talking about there are these six villagers. Look at who you are. You can help your kids do this, too, and it can kind of help you see where some of your needs might be. Right. Listeners, have you figured out what kind of villager you are yet? Stay tuned after these messages and find out what to do next. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out and you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin. And I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve. And I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. And you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no. And they taste good. And they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's Try, T-R-Y dot Easy Melts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash on boys. 
And then you start doing the hard thing of stepping outside your comfort zone, being comfortable with being a little uncomfortable. People always ask me, you know, what is your number one tip about actually reconnecting with people or connecting with people in general? And I always say my secret sauce has been philanthropy because philanthropy is important to me, always has been. I was raised in a house where both my parents put a great, a great emphasis on it. I also went to Catholic school my whole life until I went to college. So uh, service was a part of what we did every single day. So it was just part of my DNA, truthfully, at that point. But as I became an adult, I realized how important it really was to me. And it was part of my fiber. It's also the way I love. And so I started thinking about that as, okay, let's, let's get, you know, two birds with one stone here. Let's do something to turn it forward. But let's also join organizations that are going to be like-minded, you know, similar values, people that you're going to surround yourself with that uh, are going to create opportunities for friendship. So that's my first step for people out there is when you feel like you don't know where to turn. And let's say you have no one, you really have mm -hmm. no one. Start thinking about what makes your heart beat, what makes your heart flutter. Look for organizations that are going to let you communicate those passions in, in a way that's also going to expose you to a new set of people. And hopefully mm -hmm. you're going to put yourself out there and have conversations and, and start to build friendships. So a lot of our kids somewhat naturally do this. And I think parents inherently trying to encourage it, right? So like right. the the kid who loves baseball, you sign him up for baseball and there's a good chance he's going to find some of his people there. Janet, your kids were, you know, theater and music kids. Mm -hmm. I had at least one of those too. How do we help kids who they're like, I don't have a thing or whatever my thing is. There's nobody here is doing that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's where I feel and I'm very hesitant to even say this out loud. That's where I feel, depending on the age of the child, there is village in technology. And I do believe that's given us a much more accessible way uh, to connect with people, even adults, but even like you're talking about, you know, children that feel like maybe or teenagers that feel like they they don't know where they belong. There is a world out there digitally that does make you feel seen. Um, now, of course, you want to make sure that those groups you'd be a part of, those people you're connecting with are the right type of people to be connecting with. And the social media world and the tech world is a scary world for parents. And I understand that. I'm not saying go and sign up for Instagram or Facebook, but there certainly are a lot of organizations, nonprofits that are have, have been established to do exactly this for that specific age group. And that's where Google is your best friend. You know, a search engine like that is going to find is going to suddenly in an instant connect you to different things that you can explore. And that part of the exploration, too. I think is also helpful to your child because that's all, also going to get them to start thinking about maybe something that means something to them that they mm -hmm. never thought did. Um, and doing that together with your mm -hmm. child, that's also a really nice exercise too. Okay. So I, I'm thinking about I, I, my brain's going between a teenager that like Jen said is, you know, kind of just interested in video games, not really interested in school and not yeah. really finding their group. There's that. But then I'm also thinking of mature adults who are yeah. feeling lonely and it's hard. It's hard to reach out. But I love this idea of community service, philanthropy, getting involved in a group, which takes time. Then do you, are you like, oh, will you please be in my village? I can just imagine. <laughs> You just brought up a memory for me. Like I have a memory of being in kindergarten 
And not knowing how this works, do I just walk up to somebody and say, will you be my friend? Which works frankly better in kindergarten than, (laughs) Right. right? It's a little harder when you get older. Like that's what you really want to say, but you don't want to be weird about it. I think there is a place where I think post pandemic that that might be a little more acceptable, even as adults. I don't know if teens would say it, but even as adults to be like, Hey, I am, I'm ready for some more friendship. (laughs) I feel like there's so many people out there waiting to hear that. Like we're all just kind of in this pause mode of I need friends, but Right, right. Somebody has to break the ice. Someone does. And, you know, I was I was actually just talking on a panel earlier this week of a room full of like 80, 100 women. We were and we were concentrating on these principles of friendship. And someone asked me, you know, this kind of similar question to you're saying about how do you start conversations with someone with the intention of friendship? I told the gals at this conference, my secret was always I would find someone who was maybe standing alone or someone who looked like they didn't really know where, what to do or, you know, where to belong. And it's hard when you walk into a networking event of a thousand people and you're alone. You're like, I don't know. I don't want to interrupt this conversation or do whatever. And I would start that conversation with a person and I would always put the emphasis on them. I wouldn't talk about myself too much. I would be very curious. I wanted to know about them. I wanted to get them talking about things that were important to them, their family or what they did for fun or their childhood, whatever they wanted to talk about. I would really use that opportunity to to make them feel like they were the most important person in the room. And I found that a lot of friendships that I had in the business world blossomed because of that tactic. Again, I meant it genuinely, but it was truly something that I did to make myself great the ice and also hopefully help them feel like I was someone that they could talk to and that I was going to be, you know, tuned in, clicked in, going to give them my full attention and be interested in their life. That might seem like not exactly the answer to your question, but I feel like it's an intention that you're setting there. And it's also helping them feel comfortable. And then at the end, when they leave, think, gosh, that, that girl was really nice. You know, I think I will, you know, reach out to her exchange, you know, once you've exchanged information. And that opens up the door. I I think it's about you really making someone else feel important. One of the challenges that I think a lot of our kids have, and I do think this is different for boys than girls, but the pressures are similar. Yeah. You are not only trying to make friends and you need a village. We, We are humans. We all need support. You're trying to navigate this social hierarchy. So there's like people who may be good actual supports for me, but then I want to be friends with or get the approval of this person because that will help my social standing, which will help me survive in this environment because I don't yet have complete freedom of choice who I associate with. I go to school with these people. Right. You're taking me right back to school. I mean, you know, and it's true. You don't have control. And my mom used to say to me growing up, you know, on the, on the harder days where you have a falling out with your friend group or, you know, the kids, the girls are being a little mean to you or, and, you know, and I watch, you know, girls and boys get bullied in school. And, and I feel bad even now thinking back on it, thinking I should have, I should have been more confident to stand up for that person. And I stood there and I didn't do anything that time I saw that thing happen. And I remember mom saying to me all the time, sometimes you just have to get through it. And I know that sounds unhelpful perhaps, but 
it almost made me feel better when she would say that to me, that she, it's all, she would talk to me about her childhood and her experience in school and that she was never really part of the popular group. And, and, but, you know, she kind of was a floater and she wanted to be that way where kind of everyone was kind of okay with her. I had a lot of girlfriends that were very boy crazy. They were constantly needing the validation of boys. And I never was like that. I never was looking for a boyfriend. Like, yeah, it would have been nice if I guess I had one or whatever it was, but I never needed it. I was much more interested in being the president of student council than being someone's girlfriend in school. Um, it was just my personality. But that also changed how I felt about the validation of others. Because I got involved sure. in school the way that I did, it gave me such a purpose that I wasn't as concerned about whether the most popular girls liked me because I was doing my thing over here. And that was enough for me. That didn't mean I didn't have my hard days. Believe me, I'd hear a party happened or a birthday thing or whatever, and I wasn't invited to it. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. That's the stuff we can't protect our kids from. Unfortunately, that's part of the, the molding of the clay. But you hope that your kids are able to find something that gives them purpose, something that gives them confidence. I'm thinking of the, and, and I think maybe this is more boys, not necessarily. I've had, I'm a family coach, so I've had a few parents talk to me about their boys who don't want to invite people over. Mom and dad are there encouraging, hey, why don't you invite so-and-so over after school or this weekend? And they they don't want to. What's the reason why, Janet, that they don't want to? How old well, are these kids, by the way? Well, they're tweens and teens. Tweens okay, and teens. Okay. And I mean, what's the reason? We don't actually know. Are they shy? Are they afraid? Are they, I think it's like socially challenged to do the inviting. Are you struggling to figure out why your son doesn't want to invite anyone over? Stay tuned after these messages for some insights. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about Byheart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only US-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B Y h-e-a-r-t dot com slash podcast and it is 10% off your first order byheart.com slash podcast this is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply we all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills how do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. 
I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin and I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve and I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. Yeah, and you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good and they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y dot easy melts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash on boys. For a lot of tween and teen boys, it's a really weird thing to say, do you want to come over to my house? That just mm-hmm. like, it kind of violates their social code in a lot <laughs> of way. It has to be super cool and super casual. Maybe if somebody mentions, you know, I got this game. Hey, you want to play sometime? Mm-hmm. But they yeah. don't know how to, they don't know how to ask is a part for some of them. And then all those other layers, like you said. So it can be really, can be hard. really tough. Mm-hmm. And then you've got generally moms often obsessing over whether my son has friends and we don't even understand male friendship. Well, that that's also something too that I, I I explore now probably more with this book is males as they get older they don't form friendships the same way we we as women right. do they're not seeking out that connection. My dad actually just called me the other night and said I reread your book for the second time and I thought about some things and I was like all right oh, dad, what did dad say what did dad say right and dad said you know I I'm able to identify with a few of these villagers I know who I probably am to my friends but he made an interesting comment so my parents are divorced they have been for three years they were married for 40 years before they got divorced um they're still very good friends and it's it's all it's all okay but my dad said you know what I realized is I have been a lot lonelier you know since your mom and I got divorced because of course I miss your mother and I miss that family life that we had but also I didn't realize that many of my friendships were tied to your mom oh sure and so, so common. Yeah. And so all of a sudden he saw his social circle really dwindle down to a whole lot of nothing. And not that they took my mom's side necessarily, but the wives tend to be the ones that make the arrangements, make the social calendar, and then the husbands become friends because of the wives. And I think they rely on that oftentimes. What significant other, you don't have to be married, whatever it is, even your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. It is so much harder for men. And my dad definitely gave me pause there thinking, so a person like my dad, who's in his early 70s, who lost a lot of his social circle because of the divorce, now has to go out there looking for friends. And how is he going to do that? And so my dad and I started talking about, you know, you know, do you want to join some boards? You know, he was an amazing businessman, my father. You know, do you want to reach out and work out, work with some of those, you know, charitable organizations that you've supported in maybe a more hands-on mm-hmm, way? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the answer was, he's like, I just don't really want to right now. I don't really have the energy or the desire. So that's a, a long way of me saying you have to want it. 
man, woman, whatever, you yeah. have to want to change it. I can give you the directions to the village, I always say, but you need to get in the car and drive there. I can't make you do it. That's just such an important point that I encourage our listeners to just pause and recognize, yeah, do I really want this bad enough to right. step out of my comfort zone, as you said before? To do something about it. Do I want it bad enough to do something about it? And until you want it bad enough, you're not going to change it. And parents are not likely going to be able to push their, I mean, they can gently nudge, but it's still the tweener teen that has to want it. And that's why keeping, not keeping your kids so busy where they're so overextended and exhausted, but helping your children figure out who they are and what's important to them. Purpose. That is important in life. No matter what age we are, we need to feel purposeful. And so from a young age, I think we need to figure out who are, let our children figure out who they are, but also continuously have conversations about things that spark joy for them, because then you want to be able to nudge them, like you said, Janet, towards different things, in give them ways. options, help them find the solutions to those things, but be part of the solution for them. We talked in the beginning about how values matter. You know, mm -hmm. my village is going to look different than your village right. because we may want and need different things. For one, right. we're different people. So we bring different things to our villages. Right. That's something that can be hard for parents to remember when it comes to their kids. Right. Your right. kid is a different person. Each of your children, if you have more, is different. So true. So their needs and their villages may be very different than yours. And that's okay. And sometimes okay. I think, I'm trying to think of a diplomatic way to say this. Yes, we care about our kids. Yes, we want to support their friendship and their development. And we want them to have healthy villages. Sometimes I think we adults would be better off attending to our own villages than obsessing about our kids' villages. I think that's very well said. You know, one part of the, the book that I talk about is uh, when the village is lost or the village burns down. That happens for a lot of reasons, whether it's divorce or death or a falling out with a friendship, whatever it might be. Um, but looking at the temperature of our own village, like I talked about before, I looked at a lot of the people around me as role models and I paid attention to the choices they were making, the people they surround themselves with. But there comes a point also when you're looking at your own village, like you're mentioning, Jen, and thinking, does this person serve me in the best possible way? Is mm. this relationship healthy or is it toxic? Is this person taking advantage of my kindness all the time? Is it reciprocal? These are questions, again, we talk about in the book, but also leads to some tough decisions sometimes. Sometimes a relationship can have served its purpose for whatever amount of time or season or reason in your life. And then it is time to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. And that person may not agree, or they might not agree about the boundaries, perhaps that you're going to create with that person. Boundaries also another dirty word. I think sometimes people don't like to think about that, but you really have to assess the relationships in your life as you get older and really understand why you have them in your life. Why are you in each other's lives? It is quality over quantity. And that we need to really focus on as we get older and older. I realized as you were talking, you talked about how much you learned about the village just by mm -hmm. watching your mom, yep. by seeing right. the people she surrounded herself with. Right. And I think that may be one of the most powerful things that we can do for our children. We parents, we like to micromanage. We think, well, we'll fix up your little social circle and we'll do play dates and we'll do all these things and we'll curate this beautiful village for you. 
by toggling some of the attention and time back to ourselves, expressing the fact that we have needs, being vulnerable enough to reach out to others and let them help us. Right. Our kids pretend like they don't listen to us. They pretend like they don't see us, but they absorb all of that. So what are your thoughts on what kids learn about the village from the adults around them? And how can we all strengthen this idea of village so that hopefully we and then our children go forth to build healthier villages? I always say that no matter how old you are, you want to be seen, heard, and understood. That never changes. Letting people in, letting love in and asking for help, two of the hardest things we could ever do in life. It probably up there with public speaking for some people. And I've always wondered why the asking for help can be so difficult. But then I looked at myself and thought, yeah, you can answer this question for yourself. (laughs) I used to be that person and still sometimes can not want other people to see the nooks and crannies or the cracks and craters of my life or me. And one of my girlfriends said to me once, you know, we always all come to you. It's not fair that you get to be there for us and take care of our hearts and we don't get to do the same thing for you. Mm -hmm. And it changed how I felt about that. And I thought, you know what? Yes, I, I have these beautiful friendships who have so much wisdom and so much experience that I learn from in so many ways that maybe I'm not even communicating to them that they've influenced me, that they've changed how I felt about something, or I, I, I could open up to them about this because they would understand, or even if they couldn't fix it, that they could walk next to me through it. And that's really where in the book, you start to see me saying some of these lines that I've just said about how I rediscovered my friendships in a, in a way, because I needed to be more vocal about what I was going through or what I needed help with, or also what I admired in the people that I love, because it also helped them continue to work on themselves and tap into their strengths and love people and show up for people because I was reflecting back what they were giving me and what I also was learning for them and wanted to make a part of my ethos. So asking for help is absolutely paramount to building this village. That is probably the common denominator amongst all six of those people is that there's some help aspect to it that you're looking for there. And also compassion. Compassion Mm. is the key to any of this, being a consciously compassionate person. There is no way you are going to be in a fully functional, healthy relationship in any way if you are not entering that relationship with compassion, respect, and empathy. And that, that is really what it comes down to. Compassion, asking for help, this need that we all have to be seen, heard, and understood is something that, you know, Janet, you and I have both seen and recognized and really worked to build. So I started my Building Boys Facebook community because I recognized how important and valuable it, it is for those who are raising boys to connect with other people who are raising boys who can say, this is what's happening. And Janet, you do this with your Decoding Boys group as well. Absolutely. Globally, bringing people together, for sure. I'm also thinking about, as you're talking, Florence Anne and Jen, creating these villages when your kids are still in the house. Because guess what? Your kids are going to be out of the house one day and you're still going to need that village and maybe need that even more because you don't have those baseball games to go to and see the other adults. And so creating that while your kids are still at home 
Right. Super important. Right. I, you know, again, it's it, every season of life, you know, and, and that's the subtitle of the book, you know, I, that, you know, joy and community in every stage of life, uh, because it does change. It should change. That's evolution. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the evolution of ourselves and our lives. But what I think is common for people, no matter what, again, no matter what age you are, is the way you build friendships and the way you connect to people is different depending on the season of your life, depending on your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to constantly be taking the temperature of your relationships because it influences you more than you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like they say, you know, one, you know, Apple can spoil the bunch sort of, sort of yep. thing that can be said for friendships where, you know, you may have a really, a lot of really quality people around, but that one person that's not is taking a lot of your energy and taking a lot of your mental energy, emotional, whatever it might be. And it's changing you. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to change how you show up for other people. And that's going to change your life choices. So it, it, it is toxic when, when you have someone in your life that is not influencing you in a healthy way. We humans are designed to live in villages, uh, right. physical, metaphorical. We all do better off in connection with others. Florence Ann's book is Build Your Village, A Guide to Finding Joy and Community in every stage of life. If you feel like your village has gotten a little thin lately, grab a copy of the book, work your way through it, work on building your village and rebuilding that joy and community in your life. Thanks for joining us, Florence Ann. Thank you, ladies. This was so fun. I so appreciate you having me. Here's to all of us building and strengthening our own villages so that our kids can watch and learn. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being our listeners. And thank you for supporting our sponsors. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.